Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. What do the Suns have to trade for Kevin Durant? The number one overall pick put on a show in Summer League. And the Seattle Kraken may have already won the NHL draft. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Kevin Durant, Watson of Brooklyn. Maybe you've heard this. You've probably heard this. And according to reports, at the top of his list, certainly on his list, the Phoenix Suns, after a somewhat disappointing end to what looked like a very promising season with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and company. Joining me now from Locked On Suns, our friend Brendan Clean. And Brendan, let's just start at the basis of all of this, and that is how much does a Durant trade make sense for the Suns at this point in their team-building cycle? I think it makes a ton of sense. I think that's a big part of the reason that you've seen it all play out the way that it has, even down to the timing of Kevin Durant demanding a trade right before the start of free agency. Obviously, the just getting there, but not all the way over the hump nature of this Suns cycle is very well documented. We know the Suns were were right there for a championship in 2021 and then lost Game 7 in in pretty agonizing fashion here in 2022. So they obviously have that impetus. Let's get the third piece. Now, I don't know if they expected that that third piece would be quite as good as Kevin Durant, so they very much... (laughs) We'll be happy that it is, but there's the other side of this too with DeAndre Ayton. We all knew dating back to last fall when they chose not to extend the former number one overall pick that they were going to be in position to either give him the money or move him. And so the ability to now move him in something that could get you Kevin Durant combined with that sense of urgency to go get a player of his stature, it really all came together for them. And I think that they probably are the most desperate team in the mix for KD right now. Desperation can change the asking price, right? And so we've heard about this this package centered around DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges. Um, there's there's at least some reporting that the Nets are not interested in the Ayton part of this, uh, irrespective of what the Nets are are looking for. Does a package centered around DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges make sense from the Phoenix standpoint? Would you do a deal like that? Yeah, I think I think that's probably where the the price is and then it's, you know, can the Nets get a little more than that or the Suns willing to go that far? I think that's why we've had it last the number of days that it has. I think Aiton to me is a little bit of an interesting component of all of this because of exactly what I just said. I think the Nets can come to the table and maybe part of why they performatively stated that they're not interested in Aiton is because well that's the obvious thing. You don't want the guy, right? course you're going to give us DeAndre and you didn't even want him on your team so I think that that is probably an element of this I think that the interesting part of the KD negotiations is probably that neither team wants DeAndre Ayton so I not that none of the 30 of them do but not the the two that are the keys here so can there be a third team can you stack enough picks on top of each other does Cameron Johnson the 2019 first round pick of the Phoenix Suns, who's been a really good sixth man for them. Does he get involved? And I think that's that's really where you're seeing things go. And and just the fact today that we're continuing to hear that that bidding war for KD that I think Brooklyn might have expected or at least hoped for isn't quite there. That probably plays into the Suns' hands, but it's anybody's guess what ends up in the package. 
Brandon will have you all over what the Suns do or don't do to get Kevin Durant. You can find Locked on Suns everywhere you get podcasts, including the Odyssey app. Thanks for making Locked on Sports today your first listen. Coming up, you don't get marquee matchups like the one the Rockets and the Magic had in Summer League last night. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. There are a couple interesting NFL season props. You can get some action on the favorite to lead the league in scoring, according to Bet Online, is the Buffalo Bills at six to one, and the Chiefs and Chargers both at nine to one. Meanwhile, the lowest scoring teams currently expected to be the Texans. Bet Online has them as five to one to be the lowest scoring team in the league. The Falcons at six to one, and the Bears at plus six fifty right behind them. Love the Falcons in this one, six to one. That's that's pretty good on that Falcons offense is a mess. Bet online where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. History made in the NFL as Sandra Douglas Morgan becomes the first African-American woman to become an NFL team president. I'm your boy Q from the Locked On Raiders podcast with breaking news when it comes to all things silver and black. The Raiders are set to announce their next team president, and that will be Sandra Douglas Morgan. She's the former Nevada Gaming Control Board chairwoman. She's been around the Las Vegas and Nevada area for a very long time, and her resume speaks for itself. Now, the significant thing about this, not only is she a woman taking over the presidential spot for the team, but she's also the first black woman to be a team president in the NFL. We all know that the Raiders have been in the forefront of of history many, many times before. Amy Trask, the first CEO. Also, Art Shell, the first black uh, head coach. Also, Tom Flores is a minority head coach. The Raiders do this often. That's just what they do without a Rooney rule. They just do it on their own, and they've done it again. Sandra Douglas Morgan will be the new president, team president of the Raiders. I'm your boy Q for all things on this subject and everything that has to do with the Raiders. Make sure you're tuning in to the Locked On Raiders podcast. Rafael Nadal withdrew from Wimbledon ahead of Friday's semifinal match against Nick Kyrgios with a torn abdominal muscle. The 22-year-old major champion said that he had been experiencing pain in the area for the past week, but that the injury got worse during Wednesday's quarterfinal match against Taylor Fritz, specifically while serving. Nadal practiced for around 45 minutes on Thursday, spending most of the time hitting forehands and backhands. He did practice some serves, but they were at a vastly reduced speed. Kyrgios, who had reached the semifinals at a Grand Slam for the first time with his win over Christian Garin on Wednesday, will now face either top-seeded Novak Djokovic or number nine Cameron Norrie in Sunday's championship match. I'll give you three guesses, and the first two don't count on who is going to win that one. Washington Commanders owner Daniel Snyder offered to testify via video conference before the House Oversight Committee in late July, according to a letter his attorney sent to Chairwoman Carolyn Maloney on Thursday. But they have yet to hear from the committee about the dates they submitted. The committee is trying to serve Snyder with a subpoena to testify, but a spokesperson for the committee said last week that his lawyer has not yet accepted it. This is just exactly as efficiently as the Washington football team has run under Dan Snyder. So this all tracks. Brittany Griner pleaded guilty on Thursday to bringing hashish oil into Russia. She told a judge that she had done so inadvertently while asking the court for mercy. Even with a guilty plea in Russian criminal courts, the judge will continue to read the full case file into the record. The trial could go on for weeks or even months. 
Griner faces up to 10 years in prison if convicted of large-scale transportation of drugs. Some legal experts believe this is a ploy by Russia to trade prisoners with the United States and that a guilty plea was required to move that process forward. Here is another story you need to know. It was a summer league matchup between the number one overall pick and the player we thought would be the number one overall pick. Paulo Bancaro put up 17-6-4 for the Orlando Magic in summer league. Remember, this is, after all, summer league. And Jabari Smith Jr. for the Rockets, 10-7 and on 4 of 10 shooting. Joining me now from Las Vegas, Jackson Gatlin from Locked on Rockets. And Jackson... You were able to see this matchup in person. What stood out to you from these two players who everyone agrees were elite prospects coming into this process? Well, we'll start with Paolo Bancaro really quick. I mean, he is every bit the talent that we thought he would be. His court vision is spectacular. He was working to get his teammates involved, and he had some really beautiful reads throughout the game. Uh, you know, just And then when it came to him actually scoring the basketball himself, uh, an array of you know moves. He had a really nasty step back over Jabari Smith Jr. It was well contested, but he kind of sauced him up a little bit, got to the step back, drilled a three, had some other buckets, drew some fouls, did everything that we thought he would do offensively, really the total package. On the other end of the spectrum, Jabari Smith Jr., looking like he struggled a little bit, you know, kind of getting acclimated to what this competition was going to look like. He said after the game, he was very well aware of, you know, the chatter going into the game, Jabari versus Paolo, that kind of, you know, idea, that kind of, um, you know, message kind of being displayed about this game, the marketing behind it. I think he really started to find himself a little bit more, get more comfortable in the second half. And the important thing to remember about this uh, summer league team is it is summer league and Jabari is going to be a guy that really thrives when he has dynamic creators to generate the, the quality looks for him. For a majority of this game, he didn't start attempting more threes until about halfway through the third quarter. He only had one three-point attempt at, you know, after the first half. So this is going to be a guy that playing alongside guys like Jalen Green, KPJ, is going to get more opportunities. And unfortunately, right now, this Rocket Summer League squad doesn't quite have the necessary creators to make his life easy. With the, the caveats that this was one game, and it's Summer League games, not even a real NBA game, was there... Was there any FOMO with the understanding that now we have reporting that the Rockets really wanted Paulo Bencaro, that there was at least a conversation about, hey, let's move from three to one to get Paulo Bencaro? I don't think that there should be FOMO because each of these prospects are so talented in their own right. And again, I do think you take everything you see with Summer League with a grain of salt, right? Um, even tonight, if Jabari Smith Jr. had exploded and drained like five triples, I'd be incredibly excited and optimistic about his future as a Houston Rocket, but I'm no less optimistic after this game. It was really cool to see what Paolo Bancaro was able to do on the floor. Uh, it was cool to see those skills kind of translate, but we also saw Jabari's skills translate. We saw him on defense, you know, really contesting shots, boxing out, communicating on defense, being kind of that vocal leader that we expected him to be on the defensive end. We also saw some flashes from Jabari of things that he supposedly can't do in the fact that he drove to the basket a couple times, created some opportunities for himself. He had a really clean turnaround jumper where he caught it right at the elbow and just turned and elevated right over his defender. So we saw some things out of Jabari that I don't think were kind of predicted. And I just don't want to, you know, try to take too much info away from one summer league game. We don't want to blow it out of proportion one way or the other, good or bad. These are two very elite prospects that were able to kind of square off against each other. And 
you know, it's going to be exciting to watch the careers kind of grow and blossom from this point on. Yeah, they will always be connected. They will always be compared. That is just the burden that happens in these sorts of situations. Without getting into parsing possession by possession, what we saw from someone like Jabari Smith Jr., what are going to be your expectations of, okay, let's say in a couple games um, he's able to play. What are you going to be looking for from him that, that will leave you saying, okay, I feel good about where he is moving forward. I think a big part of it's just going to be his general involvement in the offense. He had a few possessions where there was one in particular that really stands out where he clapped for the ball repeatedly, got the pass from a teammate, started to drive into the lane, and then dished it out to Josh Christopher for a wide-open three-pointer. And that's, again, not something that is supposed to be in Jabari's toolkit at this point. So I think there's a lot more than what we see on the surface with Jabari, a lot of untapped potential. And I do think that as we navigate through these upcoming Vegas Summer League games and, and watch him kind of grow and adapt, I just want to see him be involved in the offense and really own the fact that he's probably the best player on the court for the Houston Rockets, or at least the most talented player, the highest upside player, whatever you want to call it. And, and I want him to really own that idea, right? So go out there, command the basketball a little bit, make sure you can get to your spots. Rockets Summer League coach Rick Higgins explained that there's definitely some areas that he feels that he can, you know, get Jabari the ball in places where he can be more successful with it. So that's going to be kind of the thing that I, I want to look for moving forward. Can the guards get him involved and get him the ball in the places where he likes it to where we can see him have some games where he goes for 15, 20, where he's getting more than just, you know, a handful of three pointers, that kind of thing. Jackson will keep you up to date on the Rockets each and every day. You can catch Locked on Rockets everywhere you get podcasts, including Odyssey. Coming up, the Seattle Kraken landed the player many deemed to be the top prospect in the NHL draft, and they did it at number four. Excitement abounded at the NHL draft when the top three picks went differently than we all expected. The Seattle Kraken loved the chaos and landed the guy many believed to be the number one pick. Locked on Kraken's Erica Ayala joined Locked on NHL's Gil Martin and Locked on Senators Brandon Piller on Locked on NHL's draft coverage to break down the Kraken's new addition. Yes, once I saw who the first pick was, uh, you know, I was a huge fan of Slavkovsky talked about him on the Locked on Kraken show, was pretty confident he was not falling to four. Um, but then you started seeing other teams kind of take, I think, really looking at position. And I think that put the Seattle Kraken at four in a good position because we need everything. So <laughs> it has been pretty clear that Ron Francis, our general manager, has wanted to take the best player available and getting another centerman, another young centerman, we took Maddie Beneers, obviously with the number two pick last year, and he already has 10 games in the NHL for us. So I think that this makes a lot of sense, although it definitely was a little bit surprising. Uh, no question about that. And, and yet here you are picking fourth and you got a player who for most of the offseason, everyone thought was going to be the first overall pick. Indeed. And, uh, you know, I, I know there were some articles saying why Shane Wright should be number one. Slavkovsky was really talking his, you know, Muhammad Ali mess. Um, hmm. And I think that's what you want. You know, I know some people were saying that's a demerit. I think it's that humble hockey mentality. I think, though, we're at a stage where some of these younger players are going to assert themselves and who they feel they are on the ice and be prepared to back that up. So I kind of liked the back and forth, but I, I heard Shane Wright on the live uh, draft coverage 
from ESPN with Emily Kaplan. I think he said all of the right things. He has, he seems to have knowledge of what the Seattle Kraken are looking to do. And um, this is a, a player that has performed well at the international level. I love to see that. Uh, also someone who has taken on leadership. He has entered into elite hockey at a young age and petitioned even to do to do that so I think this is is a hockey player and someone that at a young age we can get I like that he has good size uh I think the only other thing I would have liked to see personally is to see the Seattle Kraken take a defenseman but that being said best available is Shane Wright at four I think absolutely Ronnie Francis did the right thing. And I like that he got up there, said the pick, and then it's like, all right, let's go to our other 11 picks. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon, uh, Shane Wright, obviously highly regarded by scouts. Uh, First of all, do you think he'll have a little chip on his shoulder after falling to four? I absolutely think he'll have a chip on his shoulder. This is a guy that was granted exceptional status to the OHL. That is quite an honor and not something to be taken lightly. He was the captain of his team in Kingston. He's a guy that for years, ever since he was 14, 15 years old, people are saying this is going to be the number one pick in 2022. And he's someone that really knows how to carry himself off ice as well. So for him to go to a young organization like the Seattle Kraken, and they can really be confident that he's going to be a big building block for them going forward is such a great thing. Like this is a slam dunk for the Seattle Kraken, as far as I'm concerned, to start an expansion team with Matty Beneers and Shane Wright as your two centermen. Those guys could be your number one and two centermen for the next decade, as far as I'm concerned. And that's an incredible way to build a team. And Ron Francis is no stranger to doing that. Shane Wright, it like, He's a two-way centerman that can put up massive points. Like, he put up 94 points uh, in the OHL this year. A lot of people compare his game to Mika Zibanejad. And if you see what Mika Zibanejad has been doing lately, that's got to get Kraken fans very excited. So, uh, Erica, I'm kind of with you. I pictured them selecting uh, one of the right-hand shot defensemen. But when Shane Wright falls to them, Ron Francis not wasting any time getting up there, making the pick and heading right back down because that is the right pick. And other expect like Vegas has got to be uh, sitting there being like, wow, they already have two great young centermen and uh, that's not an easy feat to do. So, so the Seattle Kraken made their team a lot better tonight, in my opinion. And finally, a remarkable story in the NBA. Spinal injuries are usually career enders. Not for Aaron Baines. He suffered a spinal cord injury from a freak fall while playing for the Australian national team in the Tokyo Olympics. He had to relearn to walk in Tokyo and Brisbane hospitals for nearly two months last summer. Now he's working out for NBA teams today in Las Vegas. Baines will be an inspirational story to follow this upcoming season. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up Monday, let's take a look at the NFL pre-training camp. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.